Hey, this is Daniel. Thanks for listening to DIY Money. If you haven't already, be sure to give us a five-star review on iTunes so your friends know that they can learn from the show. Also, follow us everywhere on social at DIY Money Podcast. If you haven't already, be sure to check out the video on YouTube. We've got some awesome bonus content there. Now, enjoy the show. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. You're listening to another edition of DIY Money. DIY Money. How's uh, the metaverse treating you these days, Daniel? I'm in the universe. <laughs> Have you seen the parody of the introduction to the Facebook metaverse done by Iceland? No. The Icelandic-verse? I need to it's see that. It's hysterical. It's just such a Is subtle... Is Iceland cooler than the metaverse? Uh, yes, they have moss that you actually love can touch. But don't touch it too long or something like that, he says. It's hysterical. Hmm. Check it out. Icelandic verse, I think is what it's the, I think it's what it's called. In the Iceland verse, there's real moss you can uh, look at. But please don't touch. It's it's very delicate. Can you go to Iceland in the metaverse? Maybe, but that's not the point. The that's point is that they point. created their Icelandic verse, which is a real live place that you don't need to be in a metaverse to experience. Yeah, it's but like with airfare, outside. it could be cheaper to go to the metaverse. <laughs> oh, boy. Iceland Here we go. Something. Oh, my gosh. Skies you can see with your eyeballs. You're Being right. Practical. It could be. It's very true, Daniel. Ugh. What else is going on? <laughs> it. That's it? All right. Well, then let's just skip on Dive and go in. talk and go right into the question. We got a good question from Shane today. Shane, what do you got? D-I-Y! Hey, Quint. Hey, Daniel. Love the show. Um, quick question around 401k and ESPP. I took the strategy this past year of front-loading my 401k contributions to the 75% max that they allow me to do. Recently found out as I was going over my finances that I'm not getting any contributions into my ESPP when I did that. The ESPP is based on my gross income, but the actual contributions are only made after uh, 401k and other deductions. So it's essentially uh, $0 are going into my ESPP program as I max out my 401k. My question is, how would you decide or weigh your options and perhaps lighten up on the 401k to make sure you're getting ESPP contributions or maybe even going just up to the 401k match and then maximizing the ESPP and potentially selling as soon as those shares are available to sell? Thanks for the advice. Okay, I want to clarify a couple things just for our listeners at home or wherever they happen to be listening to this glorious podcast, ESPP, Employee Stock Purchase Program. So that's the first thing to understand. That obviously means that uh, Shane works for a publicly traded company, or maybe not. I guess it could be private having stock, uh, but nonetheless, and a value. There are many companies that do that, but that's not too common. Uh, so I'm going to assume he's at a publicly traded company with publicly traded stock, and there's a plan by which he can buy into that publicly traded stock at a discount through the employee stock purchase plan, and ultimately is done with after-tax dollars. 401k is pre-tax, unless he's in the Roth portion, neither here nor there. Nonetheless, after-tax money goes into the employee stock purchase plan. So there must be kind of level or a cap. I'll let you speak on that which means he's not participating in that because his income's lower or something along those lines. I, I don't understand that. Maybe you can touch well, on that. Well, he front-loaded his 401k. Right. Which means that 
um, if I'm understanding it correctly, what I would consider front loading is at the beginning of the year, he juiced his uh, contribution rate up to 75% of his income uh, so that he could get as much money into the 401k as early in the year as possible. Right. Uh, which takes advantage of the fact that most of the time the market goes up over the long run and he's buying it early. Uh, but that only left the remaining 25% for, for taxes and so forth. Yeah, Social Security, Medicare, health insurance, all that. So his effective income was yeah. really small. So there actually wasn't much left over for the ESPP. I think I'm understanding that correctly. I'm not sure why. No, that makes perfect sense. That, that would be surprising, though, then, because he should be getting a net. You know, a very net small check, which would leave very little left over. Yeah, I don't like that strategy at all. First of all, I don't like it. But I wasn't actually going to speak to that. Nah, I don't like it because again, that's great. You know, and then all of a sudden the year stinks and you front loaded and you see thirty percent of your four hundred one k go down. I just like the systematic buying of every couple of weeks. Maybe there's a different strategy that I'm missing there regarding Um, that. Mathematically, it. It's better. Works I know better, it's better to but, do that. But again, I, I, from a psychological standpoint, it's not my favorite. Well, now, clearly, psychologically, he's pretty strong if he's putting 75% of his income away. Yes, but I don't want to speak to that. <laughs> what I want to speak to is a couple of things that you mentioned uh, regarding what to do with the stock, how much to put in, etc. Some of it is qualitative that only you are going to know and understand. So, for example... And it's okay that you didn't mention this, but we don't know where you work. We don't know what the stock is. We don't know what the company is. So you might be in a company or a stock that, you know, it's terribly speculative, debt laden up to, you know, the hill uh, predicated on an FDA drug approval coming down the pike in three years. And, you know, if they don't get it, stock, you know, biotech stock could plummet 50%. And I don't know. Or it could be a, a steady, you know, mega cap that you're involved in technology company historically the company goes up 15 percent you know whatever i mean so i think first and foremost how much you participate in the espp which we never recommend more than about 10 to 15 percent per uh individual you know contributions or net worth going into 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 a company stock uh but nonetheless that's going to be qualitative based on your long-term belief and trajectory of the company and why do i say that as opposed to going in taking the discount buying the stock and getting out i don't like that i don't like that from a qualitative standpoint because that's not why your employer put that in place and i guess i'm a little nostalgic to when I think employers and companies put these benefits in place for their employees to take advantage of stock ownership to invest in this in the long-term success of the company buying into an intrinsically valued growing business that ultimately you sell you know you pay the taxes on the gain and you're out with a quick hit and, and you know that's not what stock investing in my opinion is for so I think the first thing is is that you have to kind of do an assessment and it can just be a check the box do you believe this company is on a growth trajectory and the intrinsic value of the business is going to go up over time. And you might not know what that means, meaning the stock price, you know, might not reflect a current intrinsic value. It might be much higher and therefore buying it right now is not a wise decision. So maybe, you know, get to an academic world and and maybe run a quick calculation to determine, yeah, the stock trading at 70 intrinsically valued, we think this company is going to 150. This is probably an attractive buy. So that's the first thing, just kind of checking the box of long-term uh, you know, capital appreciation in this stock. I think that flipping the stock the minute you buy it, I, again, I just don't like it. I understand the math. I don't like it. It's not for me. Now, number two, I also don't like the strategy of front-loading. In my world, I would just simply keep it simple. Max out your 401k up to the match 
if you want to participate in the stock purchase plan because qualitatively you think it's great and you get a 15% discount for buying the stock or whatever, then fantastic. Then do it. Uh, If not, then continue to max out the 401k and don't worry about the stock. Keep it simple. That is simple. What would you say, Daniel? Yeah, I would say regardless of where you're saving, ensure that you have a goal and a reason for saving there. So um, there's a rule of thumb took place somewhere. And I don't know if it started with Ramsey or someone else that was pretty much like work towards maxing out your 401k. Mm-hmm. But maxing out your 401k actually doesn't fulfill everyone's goals. Uh, so what that does is it sets aside money for retirement. A lot of times you're taking a, a tax deduction on that now, or you're putting it in the Roth, saving up a lot uh, for retirement. But in most cases, those funds really can't be accessed easily prior to traditional retirement ages. And not everyone's goal is to work to a traditional retirement age and so forth. So uh, in certain circumstances like that, the ESPP might be a better option. Allows you to save, allows you to uh, get a reduced cost basis uh, as you're saving. And uh, as you said, you kind of have to know the company and and know whether or not that is a good investment independently of the fact that you're getting a discount. But uh, look at each of those options that you have in your employer benefit plan and, and go, does this help me fulfill my goals? And to what level do I need to contribute to uh, ensure that my goals are fulfilled? I like that. So you're not just looking at the present tense of, you know, reducing or increasing in the qualitative of the stock. You're also saying make sure that longer term the buckets you're using, regardless of the stock, regardless of the max max or match or whatever, fulfill your long term goals and objectives. So how would he do that? How would he how would he look out into the future and sort of determine I mean, I guess give me some scenarios where one might be better than another. Yeah, certainly. So if you are contributing to, say, uh, tax deferred, that's your traditional 401k, traditional IRA, et cetera, retirement vehicles, uh, you want to do kind of a rough forecasting of where might that balance be sometime later in the future? Uh, How much will you have available for retirement? And is that excessively higher than you might actually need? Uh, That sounds great for some people, right? Like some people are like uh, probably thinking, yeah, I would love it if my retirement accounts were excessively high when I retired so I can just kind of go on a, a spending spree and, and so forth. But the fact of the matter is, is uh, as contrary as it sounds, a overly funded retirement account could cause equally as many problems as an underly funded, although it's a much more comfortable problem. How so? Uh, typically through RMDs, required minimum distributions later on in life when you don't have get to choose when to take money out anymore, but you're going to be forced annually to take out a certain sum. Combine that with your social security and potentially any other benefits or taxable investing accounts, gains, and things like that could drive you into a higher tax bracket in retirement than you actually are currently in right now. So that's something to keep in mind. Um, If you're looking at the Roth option, the Roth option, if you're maxing that out in the 401k, that's fine as long as you're countering that with the inaccessibility of that prior to retirement. So as the movement takes hold, that a lot of people are hoping to retire in maybe their 50s rather than a traditional retirement age, uh, ensuring that you have some funds available in a a taxable account can be very helpful uh, and kind of balances out your uh, various different buckets and so forth. It just gives you options and flexibility later in life. We see that a lot where folks are so focused on the retirement accounts and their desire is to retire prior to 59 and a half. Now there's some caveats. There's a 72T. If you have company stock, you know, I mean, there's a variety of things you can do to access that money without the penalty, but you're still liable for the taxes. And often that can be a huge hit. 
So you need to make sure that you're factoring that into your long-term planning and also making sure that maybe taxable savings or investing is a wise strategy. We often get that. People go, well, I'm maxing my 401k. I'm doing a Roth. You know, I've got my emergency fund. What else can I do? And we go, how about investing and just opening an investment account? They're like, well, what do you mean investing account? Like a non-retirement account that you buy investments in. The exact same thing that you do in a 401k or a Roth, but you just do it in your own name. It's not through the company. It's not through a Roth, at, you know, a custodian. It's through your own name at any brokerage firm you choose. And you build that up over time using the same index strategy that you desire to you know, use in your 401k. Great, great answer. Great question. You're rocking today. I'd do my best. You look good, too. The meeting of the Handsome Men's Club will now come to order. Careful, man. I just need to get Logan back. Yeah, we do need Logan back. He was good. He did good, didn't he? I had somebody told me he was on Team Logan the other day. They were like, I love Logan on the podcast. Team Logan. Oh, okay. and, he, and I was like, yeah, what about Daniel and I? <laughs> blah, blah, blah. It was, just, it was crickets. Because Logan's the new thing. Logan's the man. Anyways, let's wrap this up. That was a great question, Shane. Thanks so much for sending that our way. Hopefully, we helped or at least provided some color. All Shane did was send us a voice memo to podcast at DIYmoney.org. That's podcast at DIYmoney.org. He sent us that. We decided to use it. Now Shane will get a $25 Amazon gift card that he can use for Christmas. Nice. Shopping. Maybe he'll buy a DIY Money book. Cool. Anyways. All right. Let's wrap this sucker up. Remember, friends, the secret to wealth is pretty simple. Live on less than you make. Invest the rest. Do so very wisely in the correct buckets. Retirement planning, yada, yada. But do it for a very long time. Make it a great one. Thanks for listening to this episode of the show. If you want content delivered to you regularly, be sure to follow us on Instagram at DIY.money. And if you want your question aired on the show, be sure to send that to us and you'll get $25 Amazon gift card. This show is for entertainment and educational purposes only and is not intended as personal financial advice. Before making any financial decision, please do your homework and consult a financial advisor as needed.